With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, Prince George. Uh, Trudy Claussen here uh, this morning, and I've got a guest who has been, whose company has been in the news a lot over the last uh, number of weeks and, and intermittently over the last year. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I forgot. I lost the name. Ilya Radetsky is joining me from Hydra Energy, and uh, recently they just, they, they, I, I believe you've, well, let's, let's, how about we start with Ilya? Let, give me a little bit of an introduction for yourself. Hi, Trudy. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Ilya Radetsky. Um, I'm the service delivery lead for Hydro Energy. Uh, so I've been uh, with the company for the last couple of years, uh, basically working on the infrastructure projects up in northern uh, or in Prince George, uh, as well as working with the fleets um, to sign them on to Bay Refuel at our hydrogen fueling station. Okay, well, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me. So, I mean, there's a lot of excitement about around this project. Uh, sim- I mean, it's it it looks like sort of a, like a shiny new thing, and and part of me goes, okay, well, I'm hoping that that stays shiny. So, um, and and like I've told you in a, when we were discussing the interview or the our discussion previously, that like I like to learn along with my guests, and so I try not to be too too prepared. So. Um, I'll start off with just the question first, uh, broadly. Um, when I think hydrogen energy, I think Ballard Power, because I'm old. <laughs> so um, is this the same kind of uh, technology as Ballard Power, the fuel cells? No, no, uh, it's, it's slightly different. Ballard focuses on fuel cell uh, engines, so um, it's, a, it's a slightly different engine that does use hydrogen, uh, but exclusively hydrogen. Uh, we uh, we convert existing trucks that are running on the road um, to run on a mixture of diesel and hydrogen. So uh, that means any truck can be retrofitted to uh, use hydrogen today. So um, does not require new hi- uh, new trucks, new new equipment. Really? So so how, can you explain a little bit about that process? Because I I mean a lot of our listeners are are like I think we're like sort of middle aged, a little bit older. Um, for those of us, I mean, you know, we, we're used to, you know, diesel trucks and, and you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole logging industry and transport industry. Um, when you're talking about mixing the fuel, like you're not talking actually in the, uh, and I'm not technical enough, like how does that work? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a retrofit kit. Uh, we, we do use mostly off-the-shelf technology uh, for... Uh, both installing tanks onto the onto the trucks themselves, and then um, the tanks hold the hydrogen, of course. And uh, we plumb the hydrogen to the air intake on the truck, uh, so that when uh, the air comes into the combustion chamber, uh, it also brings in some hydrogen with it. And what it does is it displaces a certain percentage, uh, up to 40% of the diesel that would be used otherwise to uh, basically propel the truck. Oh, so this so. is, so it's used, the energy is used concurrently with the diesel. Exactly. So uh, both the diesel and the hydrogen combust concurrently. Huh. Um, and, and, you know, there's different uh, power cycles at which uh, there's different quantities of hydrogen, but uh, uh, generally that's the high-level concept. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes a little bit of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So 
then let's let's switch a little bit to um, and then we'll come back to some of the some more details later. But uh, talking a little bit about about the project here in Prince George, uh, where are you at and uh, what can we expect to see? Yeah, so uh, we we went through final reading uh, with the city for for rezoning of the property. Um, uh, of course, we've been doing design work uh, at, on that lot for a year and a half um, with our engineering partner Solaris. Uh, so the, the the design work is is mostly complete. There will be some some value engineering and, and uh, final design or uh, detail engineering work uh, coming up, but. Ultimately, uh, yeah, we're moving forward. Uh, we've been talking with fleets. Uh, that's, of course, a key, very key yes. part of the project. Uh, I continue to do so. And, uh, yeah, essentially, uh, they will be looking at uh, starting construction by the end of the year here. And, uh, yeah, uh, looking at opening uh by the end of the following year, so uh, that's the the so relatively high level uh, timelines right now. But uh, everything is moving along. That that's actually uh, quite remarkable uh, timelines. But you said off the shelf technology. Um, so basically, what you're saying is you're using basically the stuff that's already out there. And yeah, yeah. So, so most of the hardware that we install is uh, hardware that's been used in, in other applications, uh, uh, mostly natural gas. Uh, so the tanks themselves have been around for a long time in in uh, natural gas uh, applications. So we we didn't need to create new hardware, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so the technology readiness levels is, is relatively high on the hardware itself. Um, and uh, our our, you know, our secret sauce is in the electronic control unit that that basically manages how much hydrogen goes yes. into the engine. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, there, it, it lowers the risks for the fleets because we are using uh, hardware and technology that's been has been around for and, and yes. tested and and uh, at volume for a long time. Okay, and my my limited uh, knowledge about diesel engines, I think. They're um, like the process is quite simple, and so adding something to it isn't too terribly complex, right? No, no, and and we we design everything to remain within the in, uh, manufacturer's engine specs, uh, and we do not modify the engine block itself. So uh, ultimately, it's it's called a supervisory system um, okay, uh, so. because it doesn't it doesn't really interfere with anything, um, and we don't modify the engine. So. Ultimately, that's... Uh, it's just the fuel that's, that's going in. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it, again, it, it kind of lowers the risks of uh, to the fleets because it is a platform or an engine that they're used to, and, and, and we don't make uh, any modifications to it. Well, okay, so now we're back to the technical part, but we just went right back. <laughs> so, no problem. Uh, um, okay, so it, will the driver notice anything? No, no. Generally speaking, uh, the, that's one of the you know um, priorities for us is to make sure that uh, there's no performance loss. So the drivers uh, shouldn't feel any any drop in performance. Um, so it, and the drivers we've spoken with generally like the way it drives, even feel like it, it might be a little bit more responsive. 
Hmm. Because that's, I mean, when you are uh, driving a, a special, like a loaded uh, truck with, with anything, I mean, performance matters a great deal uh, because you're driving in such often just precarious situations. And, and so the expectation of what's going to, what's going to happen when you press the pedal, that matters, right? Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so like a, it, it was a, a very key benchmark for us to, to set uh, that the drivers and fleets don't feel like there's any performance loss. Uh, so that's how we prioritize uh, how much hydrogen goes into the engine. Okay. And that's managed by, I'm assuming, like a, a, compu- a computer chip? Basically, yeah. Okay. Okay. So when that thing goes, what, what, what happens if the thing goes, if the computer chip falls apart? So our our, uh, our kits can be turned off, uh, and and the the truck can just run like it would otherwise on diesel. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's again, uh, it's a way of de-risking things for the fleets uh, because they can always just run uh, as they generally would on on diesel. Okay. Well, that I mean, um, I I own a Prius, and I know that I the one thing that we really appreciate about it is that there's no noticeable difference when when you're driving right like it's just it just goes <laughs> it runs like it would otherwise yeah absolutely. yeah so um just uh so okay so since we're back on the technical aspects of of driving a truck with with uh what, what are you calling the system like the name of the system uh, uh, a hydrogen conversion kit uh okay. when you, you drive, know, okay. the, the, the project in prince george we we uh, call hydrogen as a service just because we actually uh, provide the kids for free uh, in exchange for a fuel purchase agreement, right? Uh, but but generally, it's our hydro conversion kits. Okay, hydro conversion kit. When so, what is the um, what's the life expectancy of the system? Like, how is it? Is it? So I mean, it, I'm, that's really only limited by the uh, life expectancy of the tanks, uh, which are now up to twenty years. So we actually end up reusing that kit on multiple uh, trucks throughout its lifetime. So uh, the trucks are, are replaced, you know, depending on the yeah. fleet. Sometimes, you know, three to five years. So uh, we would we would basically transfer that kit over to the new truck uh, whenever that uh, the fleet has you know switched over to the new equipment. And and the uh, what what is the life uh, cycle of the of the chip itself? Uh, the chip should last uh, uh, the life cycle of the kits or the tanks. Wow. Uh, but as you know, as we improve our own hardware, uh, we might want to upgrade it ourselves anyway. So it's uh, you know at this point, it's meant to last as long as the the kits do. So you're saying 20, 20 years, which yes is certainly longer than most trucks are driven. Um, so, so what are you like? Um, so the local companies that you've got signed on, uh, I'm just thinking of a few: Burke Purden, I think Aero Transport, XL Transportation. What are? Do you have the list of the others? Uh, yeah, Wilson. Uh, sorry, just. Yeah, no worries. They, um. So yeah, Wilson Brothers and what am I missing? Peace I sort of, Valley. Okay. Uh, so yeah, because I was just thinking. Right. So I mean, for them, uh, I mean, you're providing the kit, the conversion kits for for free. I'm assuming, like, is that partially funded by taxpayers, or or is that just a, like a company investment? 
No, generally speaking, we cover it. Um, uh, we cover it ourselves. You know, the, that's one again a bit another priority for us with the project is to to prove that it can be economically viable to build a hydrogen project uh, in transportation uh, without significant government support. Now, given you know we we will be receiving some. There has been support from from provincial and, and federal government uh, with with projects that have prioritized these types of. Uh, right projects. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the idea is that this can be replicated and, and uh, repeated in other regions uh, without that support. Uh, so ultimately, yes, uh, there, there will be some, some government support, but uh, the, the idea being that this can be done without it. Hmm. Well, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so you've designed the, like, so what do you think is the like for the co- for the company itself, how long do you think you're going to be? Um, and maybe this is a question for the maybe we should entertain in the other on the next uh, session next segment. But um, how long do you think it will be before Hydra Energy itself is profitable? Uh, yeah, I can't really get into those details. Those are kind of our, our, our modeling details. Okay, but, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so are, yeah, are you publicly I, I, I traded? I won't dive into that in too much detail, but ultimately, um, you know, it, it'll be within, you know, the, the lifetime of the fuel purchase agreements, right? Because we have, we, we have to make it work within That's right. that timeline, right? Right, okay. All right. Um, could we have jumped to a break? Is that going to work for you over there? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, we'll, we'll take a break, and we'll be back in two minutes. Do you like a good bluegrass song? Enjoying hearing music from the likes of Bill Monroe, Rhonda Vincent, and the Lakeside Ramblers? Then tune in to Back Porch Pickens Sunday evenings at 5 on 93.1 CFIS-FM for an hour of great bluegrass old and new. I'm Corey Walker, and I'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of North American bluegrass. Catch Back Porch Pickens Sunday nights at 5 only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The Q3 Creative Business Hub is home to the Q3 Community Market. The market has tables available for home-based businesses year-round for greater exposure of your products and services. Reasonably priced in the air-conditioned comfort of the Q3 Creative Business Hub, it's ideal for crafters and independent professionals alike. Reserve your table today by emailing q3building at gmail.com. The Q3 Community Market, Saturdays from 830 to 2 at the corner of Quebec and 3rd. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. Forecast from Environment Canada. Sunny today, wind up to 15K, a high of 7. Tonight, increasing cloudiness. Periods of snow beginning before morning, a low of minus 2. For Friday, periods of snow ending near noon, then cloudy with a 40% chance of rain or wet flurries. Wind becoming south 20, gusting to 40 near noon, a high of 4. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Talking with Ilya Radetsky of 
Hydra Energy. He's the service delivery lead there. Um, so, Ilya, we were talking about um, uh, return on investment. Um, how does that look for the companies? I know that they're getting this for free. Um, but in the event that they would have to pay, how um, – but I mean, maybe that's part of your business model. Uh, do you see that continuing or is it going to eventually be a place where you're going to have to have companies pay that $60,000, I think, uh, installation fee? And, and if that's the case, how long would it take for them to re- recover their uh, investment? Uh, well, uh, like I was saying, in, in, in Prince George and in projects that um, that are uh, following our hydrogen as a service model, that the, there will be no ROI basically because we will be providing that kit for free. So any project that we're developing ourselves, uh, you will save money uh, the day that uh, hydrogen can be fueled into the truck. That's the that's the general model and pitch. So. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we, we are looking at, you know, new regions, different models in the future, but again, that answer is a little bit difficult because every region has different, uh, hydrogen pricing and, and infrastructure availability and, uh, you know, some kits might be more because they want more hydrogen or less if, if they, if they're a bit smaller trucks. So ultimately, yeah, that's a bit of a difficult question to answer, but, uh, the idea is any, especially in Prince George, nobody's paying anything up front. So, um, okay, so that's a little bit like some, you know, you you buy a phone and you get the, or you buy a phone contract and you get the phone for free. Yeah, uh, yeah, essentially. So okay, um, yeah. So um, you you say we're saying that you know maybe not all areas will have the same uh, program as Prince George does. Is Prince George at the head of this? Like, are we sort of at the front end? Uh, I mean, we are working multiple other regions uh, at the same time, but we've been in Prince George the longest. Uh, you know, we've uh, so it, it has been a priority for us. Uh, it's a very sensible region for us, and, and for many reasons. But uh, since we've been here the longest, we wanted to to do our flagship project uh, in, in the region. Okay, so what is it about Prince George that attracted you and and got the company to focus on Prince George as as the flagship? Well, it is. It, it's a it's a trucking hub. It's a center of the north. You know, there's there, there's a lot of uh, uh, fleets that go through there. Uh, you know, between the port and and of course local fleets. Uh, so uh, that was kind of the main reason is, is uh, access to fleets that that uh, would be interested. But you know, there's other reasons like uh, just the general industry friendly nature of the city as well. So. Um, hmm. That's helped as well. Okay, so what a Prince George, we're a city in the north. Uh, what about winter? How how is how's how's how are you expecting these trucks to perform in the winter? Is there going to be a difference or? No, no. So uh, we we've run uh, multiple converted trucks up there now in the winter time, uh, down to minus forty. So we have not seen any loss in performance on that front. So. That's why we've continued to service the region. And, you know, it is one of the advantages of internal combustion versus other engine types that struggle sometimes in the colder temperatures, uh, whereas we've uh, we've really not seen any losses. Uh, and that brings me to a question of, uh, you know, I was asking some people for some questions to ask you, and they said, well, well, why not just go to electric? And so can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, there's there's uh, significant challenges when you're talking about electric for heavy-duty fleets and, uh, you know, the main one being charging, right? Because uh, just like we, we need a, uh, a hydrogen infrastructure to actually be able to fuel there, there needs to be charging infrastructure uh, for 
for battery um, fleets, right? So uh, that would be the biggest challenge. Of course, the other one being um, the range anxiety, especially when it gets into the, uh, the really low temperatures. Uh, so ultimately, we don't actually have any loss in range. In fact, uh, we we add uh, mileage to each truck because we're actually adding more fuel onto there. Oh. Uh, so certain fleets that, that run even longer routes uh, might even have the extra advantage of, of not having to refuel in the middle of the route, right? So um, there there is no range anxiety in that sense. Uh, whereas, yeah, with batteries, again, it, it, there's um, there's some weight issues and and, uh, and really the charging time uh, and infrastructure is, is really the biggest challenge. Okay, well, I'm... Uh, I'm I'm at this. I'm trying to find ways to poke some holes in this. Be- <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. yeah. Maybe I, I have this conversation a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess the one thing that's fairly obvious is the fact that uh, I mean now you have two places to fill up, right? Be, like because I understand that 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 the refueling will be will be happening at the site on Sintich Road. So that means any truck that's part of this program is going to have to go out there to fuel up, correct? Yeah, yeah. And we will be doing some delivery as well to certain fleets. So um, okay, there so- will be... Uh, and those, those, some of those details are still being ironed out with value engineering, but ultimately, uh, yes, we will have fueling a fueling station on the production facility site, Um that will be available there, and then uh, there, there's certain fleets that that will make sense to do some deliveries to. Okay, so then walk me through this a little bit. What what when the truck pulls up to? So he's got his diesel tank full, and but he's got a long haul, so he's going to, going to make sure that his hydrogen tank is full as well. What does that look like? Yeah, so ours is actually going to be a diesel and hydrogen fueling station, so they oh. will be able to fuel fuel on both their diesel and hydrogen at the same time. So essentially, plug both tanks in um, at the same, like there, without yeah, moving the a truck. Dispenser for each. Uh, actually, diesel trucks often have two dispensers because they have two tanks on them that they want to fill concurrently. And uh, yeah, it's about the same fueling time. Uh, we're under ten minutes for for the hydrogen fueling, so. Uh, that's generally as long or, or, or less uh, as um, a diesel fueling time. Uh, so uh, it shouldn't really affect the timeline for the drivers at all. Uh, so operationally, again, we don't want the fleets to have any losses. So so, so they're going to pull up to the station like um, like any of the, the truck refueling stations, and they'll be able to fill in the diesel and the hydrogen at the same time? Or will they? Yeah. That, that's yeah? correct, yeah. Oh, so they don't even have to move their truck in between? No, no, no. It's uh, it's meant to be done concurrently. Huh. There will be a diesel and a hydrogen dispenser. Okay, and then um, okay. So now, then I, I was wondering because um, you were making references to it being similar to the natural gas, or you, you know, using some of that technology. Does this mean like something like a? I mean, most of us are more familiar with a propane tank. Is that the what the hydrogen tank looks like? Uh, it's it's slightly different. It's a it's a carbon fiber wrapped tank. Uh, it's it's really meant to to get up to pretty high uh, pressures. So ultimately, uh, it's it's a aluminum liner on the inside wrapped with a carbon fiber um, thread, essentially, and uh, a submerged that which is submerged in an epoxy resin. Uh, so it's uh, you know that that's just 
I can get into more nuances with that, but uh, ultimately it's a carbon fiber wrapped aluminum tank. Uh, so it definitely will look a little bit different from a propane tank. Okay, so... Um, so what's the safety? I mean, you know, I'm assuming that you've got the whole safety thing sorted out. But I mean, that's one thing that comes to mind is the explosive power of these tanks, um, especially with heavy trucks. You're, you're, I mean, like high impact heavy trucks. How How is that being managed, that concern? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the, the tanks are designed specifically for that. Um, you know, the, the, they're meant to really... Um, so they have Transport Canada certification. They have all the necessary safety certifications, and uh, um, really very low risk of, of combustion because you do need um, for combustion you need uh, fuel, uh, oxygen, uh, and a spark. Right, and, and the way the tanks are designed, generally that you cannot get all three in the same location. Uh, and, and in many ways, they're, they're, uh, well, in one main way, they're, they're actually safer than uh, uh, diesel or gasoline tanks uh, because it's very difficult to actually get uh, a spark or, or ignition into the tank itself. So um, yeah, that, that has been addressed. Hmm. Wow. Um, so, uh, okay, so then what is the energy requirement and how does that compare um let's see we've only got a few minutes left before we need to take another break but um what what's the energy that this plant this site will be requiring to run or to operate uh, the, the, you're talking about the, the total demand of the yes. plant uh the total is at about 13 megawatts uh, between uh, the electrolyzers, which are what is going to be producing the hydrogen itself, and then uh, the balance of plant, which is essentially all the the rest of the equipment. Okay, so sorry, I missed that. How many how many megawatts? Thirteen megawatts. Thirteen megawatts is it, okay. So because I'm, I don't know anything about megawatts. Um, what's the? Uh, how does that? Is that like per day or per year or how does that work? Uh, so megawatts is a, it's a, it's a demand. So that's okay. basically, what you know, the peak amount of power that 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 the um, that the station would pull at its full operation. I see. Right. So it generally will be running at a, a lower level than that, but that's what its peak that it has to be able to run up to. I see. Um, so yeah, the, the, we we have to allocate that from BC Hydro to uh, to be able to you know make sure that when we're at full capacity. Uh, we can pull that from the transmission line. Okay, now I understand that. That was something that I had never thought to ask before. But it is time for us to take a break, so we'll be back after uh, these messages from our sponsors. Your Prince George Council of Seniors is pleased to announce they have completed their move to a new location. With more room to meet their growing needs, the Seniors Resource Center is now located at 1335th Avenue. Special thanks go out to Royal LePage, Prince George Ford, Susan Scott, the Prince George Citizen, and Breakwater Law, helping facilitate the move to the new offices, which are up and running with more services available in-house. The Prince George Council of Seniors Resource Center, now open at 1335th Avenue, across from the post office. 
Copar Administration is celebrating 25 years of providing quality employment services to communities in B.C. and Alberta. Whether you are looking for a job or looking to hire, the key is finding the right fit. The friendly team at Copar can help with hiring events, resume, cover letter and interview assistance, wage subsidies, training, new hire supports and more. The best part is all of Copar's employment services are free. Find the right fit today. Contact Copar Administration at coparadmin.ca. People for jobs, jobs for people. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. If you're a senior without dental coverage, Family Dental Care is stepping up to help. Sunday, April 16th, Family Dental Care is offering a no-charge cleaning, filling, or extraction. All seniors will be pre-screened and contacted to schedule an appointment. There is limited space, so please submit your application as soon as possible. Only seniors without coverage will be considered. Applications are being accepted at the new Seniors Resource Centre, 1335th Avenue. Deadline to apply is Friday. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back with Ilya Rudeksky of uh, Hydra Energy, the new project that is being built out on Sintich Road, uh, delivering con- uh, f- hydrogen fuel and diesel for local trucking companies. So, um, Ilya, one question. So just uh, going more on um, on the the cost of the systems to the owners uh, of the trucks or the managers. Um, what's the cost per kilometer? Because, I mean, I know that the conversion kits are free, but what is the cost per kilometer and how does that compare to diesel? Yeah, so our goal is to be uh, parity or better than diesel. So uh, we, we, we have a slightly approach where uh, it's not a floating price on diesel. It's a fixed price uh, over the course of the f- uh, fuel purchase agreement. But we've priced it quite aggressively versus projections uh, on diesel. So um, it, it's basically the idea is to, that there will be savings versus diesel from day one. Um, how much that is, it, vary, it will vary based on where diesel sitting at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, ultimately the, the idea is savings uh, immediately at day one. Okay, so um, just on further further on that, what is the how much like like so that if the and maybe I asked this before already and didn't quite understand what is the conversion rate as compared to an electric vehicle for uh, because we always we know that anytime you're transferring energy you, there's always some loss so what's the conversion rate as compared to an electric uh, vehicle that is like a plug-in for like from you know, getting the fuel, getting the fuel, like getting the energy from the power line to the to the system to the hydrogen system. So, what's the conversion rate of energy? Maybe that's too technical. Okay, well, I, I'm I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. But basically, I, I think if you're asking for the efficiency of the engine, yes, it'll be kind of equivalent to what uh, the diesel efficiency is as well, right? So. Um, that's the, you know, and it, it, it does vary for, for different trucks and different roads. Uh, 
but ultimately it, it essentially stays at, at similar efficiency levels to the diesel operation. Um, electric vehicles are, are, are slightly more efficient, but again, it, it varies uh, depending on each route because they they become less efficient in um, you know colder uh, weather, say on highway driving, or again in cold temperatures. So ah, okay. It, it's it, so it, again, it's a it's a bit of a, a tricky answer because it's uh, you know it's so dynamic most of these applications that it changes uh, you know uh, depending on how you know even who's driving right because uh, that's a big variance yes um, I think I was thinking more and maybe I'm just not knowing I don't know enough to a- to ask the question properly um, but if you're converting uh, let's say hydro like hi- uh, the energy from the WAC Bennett dam and, and site C you're getting that to come to Prince George if you're comparing how much energy you're delivering into a hydrogen cell and into a truck that uses your system do you know the comparison to just simply using an electric battery or is that did I already ask that question yeah I don't know the exact comparison because I don't know uh, for charging what uh, the losses would be right okay because like I said there's there's losses there as well Um, yeah uh, but you think yeah, it's pretty so I, close? I don't, I don't know how to compare one to one there. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, ultimately, uh, our system will run at about fifty percent capacity. So it's yeah, there is. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just trying. To, I, I I don't have a one to one comparison. Okay. Those, yeah. No worries. It's a, it's a little um, okay. more challenging to okay. answer. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So let's, we'll do a little segue into the fact that you guys have been working with the, uh, local First Nations, Clay Tanay, since the very beginning of this project. Uh, what can you tell us about that, your relationship with them and, uh, how that's working out? That's been great. They've been, uh, um, you know, very receptive to the project. Uh, I haven't directly interfaced too much with right, them. Right. Cause you're not, that's not your area. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I don't, I, I can't get into too much detail from, from my end, but, uh, you know, we had, a uh, um, we had, uh, Keith Darlene and Logan at, uh, our, uh, little, uh, opening ceremony or, um, groundbreaking, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, they've been great to work with and, uh, definitely been, uh, excited for the project. Right. Okay. So what about other local partners? Have you got, is, are there the, the companies here in Prince George that are going to be, uh, helping with the build, um, or do you have to bring in most of the expertise and uh, s- supplies from elsewhere in order to build your plant here? It'll be a mix. Uh, most of the equipment will be imported. It's it's there, it's some large equipment that's uh, quite specialized, and uh, so yeah, there won't be local uh, suppliers for it. Uh, we will be prioritizing using local contractors and for, for the construction itself. Uh, we are. Uh, yeah, ultimately uh, working with PCL, but uh, for the construction, but they will be using local contractors uh, since they don't have a local office themselves. So um, we also, uh, the owner of the property itself is, is an investor in Hydra and, and, and also a local business there. So uh, they will be involved with the project quite heavily. Okay. And, um, and just about the production facility, like, so I, like the refueling station that I'm getting is going to be looking fairly much like any other fuel station, right? 
Yep, exactly. Yeah. But what about the manufacturing? What are we going to see there? Are we going to see something like what you see when you know driving by a refinery? Does it does it look like that? Yeah. So if you if you look at the rendering and you can go onto our YouTube and, and check out the flyover, uh, that's actually a a three D rendering of of the equipment that's already spec'd into the site uh, at this time. So. Essentially, uh, there will be a substation for the transmission line, uh, the BC Hydro transmission line, uh, slightly smaller substation than, uh, you know, ones you would see otherwise. Uh, but, but still we need to, uh, you know, drop the power to the, to a usable voltage, uh, on our site. Uh, so you'll see some electrical equipment and then the rest will be, uh, relatively modular. It's essentially going to be, you know, shipping containers, uh, kind of located, uh, strategically across the site. Um, and, you know, they'll have different pieces of equipment, you know, like compressors, electrolyzers, water purification. So, hmm. so um, well, it is time for our next break. So we'll be back after this talking with Ilya Radetsky of Hydra Energy. On June 4th, Crohn's and Colitis Canada is hosting the Gutsy Walk at the Caledonia Nordic Ski Club. The Gutsy Walk raises money for those affected by Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis in our community, with over $50 million donated to patient support programs and critical research. Join with your fellow community members and show them they're not alone. For more information, visit gutsywalk.ca. The Crohn's and Colitis Gutsy Walk, June 4th at the Caledonia Nordic Ski Club. Find out how simple it is for you and your family to be green at It's Easy Being Green at the downtown branch of the Prince George Public Library on April 6th. The free drop-in session runs from 6.30 to 7.30 and is held in partnership with REAPS. Learn how to lower your material waste and save money. Check out the list of topics at pgpl.ca slash events and come out to It's Easy Being Green on April 6th from 6.30 to 7.30 at the Downtown Library. CNC and Selkirk College are partnering for a Pharmacy Technician Diploma Program. The 15-month program will provide students with a blend of online theory courses, in-person labs, and hands-on practicum hours in direct clinical settings. The online portion of the program begins in July, with in-person labs commencing the following year at CNC. Visit the Selkirk College website to learn more about the Pharmacy Technician Program and to apply through the Programs and Courses page at selkirk.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada, sunny today, wind at the 15K, a high of 7. Tonight, increasing cloudiness, periods of snow beginning before morning, a low of minus 2. For Friday, periods of snow ending near noon, then cloudy with a 40% chance of rain or wet flurries. Wind becoming south 20, gusting to 40 near noon, a high of 4. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back talking with Hydra Energy's Ilya Radetsky, the service delivery lead. Uh, Ilya, before we took our break, we were talking about um, what the site would look like and who was going to be helping to build it, and you said PCL Industries? Yes, PCL okay. um, Construction is, is um, slated to be the, the construction partner for the project, uh, but like I was saying, the they will be using many local contractors as they don't have a, a presence in, in Prince George. Right. So where does, uh, and then we were, uh, you said like a lot of the, the equipment will come from elsewhere. So where does the equipment for this project come from? Uh, again, that will vary. Um, uh, it, there is a few different uh, kind of larger pieces of equipment, uh, the main one being our electrolyzer, which is uh, manufactured by Plug Power uh, based out of uh, New York State. Um, and then uh, we we haven't fully finalized our compressor supplier, but uh, most likely uh, it, 
that would be a U.S.-based company as well. So, um, yeah, those are kind of the two main components uh, for hydrogen production with electrolysis. Um, there will be certain, uh, you know, larger transformers, again, that will likely be using uh, local uh, power engineering companies for, so. Okay. And now I can't believe that I didn't ask this right off the top. So how how is hydrogen energy produced? How do you get from a power line to, to get yeah, the energy in a power line to getting it into a tank? Like, how, do, how does that actually happen? There, there are a few different production methods that we explored uh, in the region before we've commit, we committed to, uh, to electrolysis. But uh, electrolysis is basically the, the process of splitting the water molecule uh, into hydrogen and oxygen. So H2O um, gets split, uh, the hydrogen's captured, the, the oxygen is just vented into the air. So, um, yeah. The, the, so we the should all be breathing so better is, after uh, this. With what's called an electrolyzer. Okay. Uh, uh, so it, it's uh, how to describe this. It, it's basically an array of panels uh, that are energized uh, in order to you know pull the two atoms apart. Huh. Uh, so uh, that you do, it does require lots of energy, uh, which is why we're we're tapping right into the transmission line uh, from BC Hydro, which happens to be you know parallel to the to the site itself. And um, uh, yeah, essentially that's the. So you're high pull- level explanation. We capture the hydrogen. We 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 redry it. We uh, compress it into into the storage tanks, and then uh, the the trucks are fueled from there. Huh. So um, so we should be breathing better in Prince George after this project. <laughs> there will be more oxygen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So um, and, and and less emissions. That's another benefit. <laughs> okay. And the less emissions, so now I get it. I, I, I was like, okay, how does this result in less emissions um, if you're still mixing it? But, but of course, a 40% in reduction of diesel, that would be great. So um, I was looking at your list of the companies that you've got signed. And um, so you've got Arrow and Excel, and you've got Memorandum of Understandings with Edgewater, Wilson Brothers, Burke Purden, Godso, Kais, and Peace Valley Industries. Um so how difficult was it to get these companies on board? Were you part of that or Yes, yeah, yeah. So that was that was one of my other other hats okay. <laughs> um, is uh talking on the fleets and, and we are talking to more as well, but uh yeah, those are those are all that have signed the MOUs. Um uh, you know, it, it, there's there's different challenges with each one, all right? Uh they're all differently sized fleets, they all service different routes. Uh so, you know, we had to go through uh certain nuances and 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 you know uh, kind of uh, concerns from each fleet. Uh, the, the general energy was was, was quite positive. I, I think most fleets have realized that they have to look at new technology and 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 really be receptive to to ways of uh, both both uh, lowering their emissions. But you know, like I said, we we want to make it economically viable for them to do so. Uh, so you know that that made things easier. Of course, if you're not really adding anything to their operational costs. Um, and, and lowering the risk of any disruption to their operations, uh, it makes it an easier pitch for sure. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I would say uh, the most fleets have been quite receptive uh, to 
to our, our approach. Yeah, I was just, uh, you basically answered my question. I was going to ask, like, how, because at the end of the day, every trucking company, I mean, they're there to make a profit. I mean, or else why would you spend <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so many hours sure. and, and invest your hard-earned money in, in a company, right? Um, so at the, at the end of the day, it's the bottom line and, and that uh, that motivates these companies to, to do this. That, that's interesting. So what are... Um, what are some of your the I know that you you're not just working in Prince George, uh, but you are the uh, Prince George is the flagship. Uh, where else are you looking to expand your operations? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so of course, Prince George is is the flagship. We want to prove that uh, this, this model works, and uh, from there. I think for us, we'd like to connect a um, uh, a northern corridor uh, for Western Canada. So, so the most sensible next location will likely be Prince Rupert, uh, uh, so uh, so that uh, we can service the port and connect uh, Prince Rupert, Prince George, and we uh, have a a project we won't be developing ourselves, but we will be converting fleets in Edmonton and have hydrogen access there. So uh, ultimately, it would connect to the three cities uh, to start. From there, it, it's difficult to say. It, it really will come down to, uh, you know, kind of the most receptive markets and, and, and market conditions in general. But uh, ultimately, those are the, the, the three initial projects that we're looking at. And then um, you know the, the the one thing that's happening over the next you know five years or so. There's a lot of hydrogen producers coming online, so uh, there will be some some different types of uh, partnerships in, in in new regions, even even on an international level, uh, where uh, we, we we focus more on the conversions rather than building out the the, the projects ourselves on, in terms of production and refueling. Okay. So that just thinking about your expansion plans and thinking, okay, one of BC's economic advantages for companies like yours is the fact that our electricity is fairly reasonably priced, correct? That's correct, yeah. So um, do, you, do you see a, a place where, like, and I'm not sure if this technology lends itself to that, but can you produce here and ship elsewhere or is it just for local consumption? Well, it depends how far. Uh, you know, we will be servicing uh, some local regions from from Prince George, even right. So, okay. ultimately, uh, there will be, uh, you know, a kind of um, we we have to do the math on how far. But ultimately, the the there there will be an opportunity to service local regions, even potentially scale up our production in Prince George. Uh, but you always have to kind of compare it to. Uh, building another production facility and fueling station in, in surrounding regions as well, right? So, uh, yeah, it, 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 there's, a, there's a lot of considerations because it, it does come down to how you transport the hydrogen as well. But, okay. Uh, yeah, we, we will look at, uh, as, because we will be working with some companies outside of, uh, research proper. So, um, we will be looking at delivery options as well. Okay. Okay. Well, it is time for us to take another break. We'll be back with our last segment after this. Prince George Girls Fastball is now taking registration for the coming season. Open for all girls of all skill levels, ages 5 to 20. Come out and play with old friends and make new ones in a fun and encouraging atmosphere. For more information on the Prince George Minor Girls Fastball Association, visit their Facebook page or email pgmgfa at gmail.com. 
Friend Fun Fastball with Prince George Minor Girls Fastball 2023. Registration is now open. The Connaught Youth Center Ladies Morning Badminton is in need of new members. The club meets for some exhilarating badminton games every Tuesday and Thursday mornings from 9 to 11, and drop-in fees are just $10. The club has a few spare rackets for those who just want to try it out. It's friendly and fun and a great way to get some exercise, too. The Connaught Youth Center Ladies Morning Badminton, Tuesday and Thursday mornings from 9 to 11 at the Connaught Youth Center at 17th and Victoria. Regular part-time cleaning staff is needed for Le Cirque des Canadiens Francais Community Centre. The job entails evening or overnight work to thoroughly clean about 4,000 square feet of space, including a kindergarten class, reception area, multifunction room, library, and two small washrooms. Applications with references can be emailed to directionccfpg at gmail.com. The position will be filled as soon as possible. Once again, that's Le Cirque des Canadiens Francais needing part-time cleaning staff as soon as possible. The Teen Art Showcase is on display and runs until Friday at your Prince George Public Library. Stop by the downtown library to check out the latest submissions from budding local creative talents. The showcase will conclude with an awards reception at the library on Saturday, April 1st from 1 to 2. For more information, email lredpath at studio2880.com. That's Teen Art Showcase 2023, on display until Friday at your Prince George Public Library. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Trudy Clausen here speaking with Ilya Radetsky, uh, service delivery lead for Hydra Energy. The uh, So, Ilya, um, can you talk a little bit about what you see uh, in the future and maybe some of the... Um, some of the things that, that people, governments should be looking at in order to make the transition to this alternate fuels, um, maybe a little bit easier or to just continue. And I'm not coming at you from a, from an anti, uh, petroleum view, uh, just so you know. Uh, but what do you see as the future? Um, where, where are we going with technology like this? Well, to be honest, I, I think it's going to take kind of all of those different types of technology. You know, you mentioned batteries and fuel cells in the past, and, and there are applications where they, they, they just they make uh, as much or more sense than, than even ours. So ultimately there, there will be, uh, I, I believe, a, a mix of all of those technologies that service the, the future transportation market. Uh, so, so I think it's, it's uh, keen on that is realizing that it, it, it will take all of them and, uh, that each one uh, kind of represents uh, a, a, a better solution in, in certain applications. So, um, you know, for us, we we like the idea of, of being able to, um, you know, uh, provide it today, right, be, to be able to use hydrogen today. So um, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it's important to be receptive to that, uh, and, and that's why, we, again, we were trying to uh, build an economically viable project uh as soon as possible, rather than uh, you know necessarily building out uh, infrastructure for for you know a theoretical future, right? right. So uh, the, you know that that has been a priority for us. So um, um, yeah, I mean. That's, so so what you're saying is like you've taken a, a more pragmatic, practical approach for the here and now. Um, so okay, so then I'm going to ask. Okay, so you're relying, and and part of the advantage for for uh, British Columbia and Prince George in particular is the fact that we have plentiful um, uh, energy from from uh, the WAC and Site C uh, dams. Um, what about in places? What's the future? And and I'm thinking particularly 
because you have to have energy in order to break the 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 water mm-hmm. molecule apart, right? Um, is there a future maybe where in places that don't have access to cheap energy like we do, is there a place for for nuclear energy to be part of this process? Yeah, potentially. I mean, nuclear energy can be relatively cheap as well, so um, and and have done properly, safe and and clean. So ultimately, absolutely. There's there's also uh, other ways of producing hydrogen. Electrolysis was our choice in Prince George, but we did evaluate different uh, uh, production methods uh, to whether they made sense. Uh, so. You know, there's uh, pyrolysis, gasification, uh, steam methane reforming. So there's there's a uh, kind of a, a plethora of different uh, producers coming online over the next five to ten years, and uh, they're all going to take different approaches in different regions because it, it really does come, depend on the inputs that you have into the production process. Uh, we're fortunate to have cheap, clean power and water, so that it makes sense in, in BC to move move forward with electrolysis, but uh, in other regions, we will be working with producers that, that generate hydrogen and, and, and very different methods. Uh, so, um, yeah, the, so some of these uh, other regions will, will uh, probably have, you know, if they don't have cheap power, they will have other ways to produce it. Okay, and like you said before, I think I understood correctly, your, your company is focused mainly on the conversion kit and supplying the fuel. Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah, in Bridge George, we're, we're you know we're supplying the fuel, all the infrastructure, the conversion kits. Um, again, in, in, in other regions, uh, we will be working with uh, uh, hydrogen producers that are already developing projects that uh, we will essentially uh, help to generate offtake uh, with with our kits. Right, so we will be working more with the fleets on the fleet side. Okay, and I forgot to ask one question. Uh, and I think you had mentioned it, uh, tailpipe emissions. Is there going to be reduction, is it, or is it simply based on the fact that you're using less diesel? Sorry, what, what kind of emissions? Uh, tailpipe emissions. Am I saying that right? Is that the correct term for it? Like what comes out of the tailpipe? Um, oh, tailpipe, it, sorry, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically a one-to-one reduction um, in terms of percentage uh, uh, on CO2, right? So if it's 40% uh, displaced uh, diesel, there is no CO2 emissions when it comes to hydrogen combustion. It's, okay, so uh, the reduction is entirely the fact that you're using less diesel. Yeah, exactly, because uh, tailpipe emissions for hydrogen are oxygen and uh, water vapor. So ultimately, um, you know, uh, harmless. Uh, the There's still some NOx, uh, but uh, it's it's at par, parity or level uh uh, with the diesel combustion. So ultimately, CO2 emissions are reduced one-to-one uh, compared to uh, for every percentage that uh, the diesel is displaced. Right. Um, and we briefly mentioned earlier that talking about um, federal and provincial supports, uh, what, can you tell us a little bit about those? Like for for your programming and and for like the the things that you're doing and like especially in terms of uh, reducing uh, carbon output that kind of thing. What are what are what are the partnerships that you've got with the federal and provincial governments on that? Yeah, so so I don't have all of the programs in front of me right now. To be <laughs> no, honest, there's probably but, uh, tons of them. <laughs> uh, we've had uh, the uh, BC, uh, the BC Hydro has has made it a priority to. Uh, look at technology that that essentially uh, helps take emission 
uh, emitting vehicles and and you know decarbonizing them. So uh, we we've gotten some support from them uh, in the context of uh, basically just uh, a, a fuel switching program, as they call it, uh, to, to essentially switching to a cleaner fuel because we'll be taking clean. Uh, hydropower and uh, creating a fuel that displaces a, uh, a emission-emitting fuel, right? So right. Um, uh, there's that. Uh, we will be participating in the BC LCFS uh, credit program. Um, sorry, just off the top of my head. I, I, yeah, I, no, and the federal government has a number of programs as well, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, there, there will be some federal support for sure. I, I just honestly, I would have to get our government relations uh, a person on here to <laughs> answer all <of laughs> yes. those details. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Um, and I'm just thinking with the carbon, I mean, with the increasing carbon tax, um, it's going to drive up the price of fuel, uh, like of diesel fuel. And so the the cost of uh, like well with hydrogen energy then there won't be that carbon tax on it i'm assuming no so that's you know uh, that's why we believe we've we've priced uh, the hydrogen relatively aggressively because uh well our the hydrogen will will be staying at the prices that we agree on with the fleets where uh, the diesel will have some upward pressure from the from the carbon tax uh projected carbon tax all right. Well, I have learned a ton. And so I just really thank you, Ilya, for coming on and explaining a lot to me. I have I feel like I know way more than I did at nine o'clock this morning. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, and just I want to welcome your company, of course, to Prince George, because uh, any investment in our community is something good. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, we're happy. After nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. This is Community Radio 93.1 CFISFM. Proudly supported by Prince George businesses like Copar Administration.